Put on your cars, you backgammon boards. Lucky Buck is back. Captain Buck Rogers, it appears you have returned to Earth 504 years later. Yeah! Buck Rogers, the world's first and greatest space hero. The trip of your life, 500 years from today. Buck Rogers in the 25th century, rated PG. Now playing at Castle Fire Studio Tibbs and 20s. Hello and welcome to the Film and Water Podcast, proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rob Kelly, and this week we're talking about Buck Rogers in the 25th Century, the pilot movie that was released to theaters in March of 1979. It, of course, stars Gil Gerard, Pamela Hensley, Henry Silva, Tim O'Connor, Joseph Wiseman, sort of, and Aaron Gray. <laughs> And uh, as all of you know, if a movie has Aaron Gray in it, there's only one man to talk to, and that is David Ace Gutierrez. Hello, David. Far beyond this world I know, Rob Kelly. Far <laughs> beyond my time. Uh, yeah. Uh, what am I? Who am I? What will I be? <laughs> Throw me off. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're here to talk about the, the pilot film that was released to theaters. And, of course, you know, that's an unusual move, although you could argue it's not that unusual. It happened just last year with the Inhumans and see how well that went. Um, David, how did you watch the show when it was on TV? Because you must have been pretty young, right? Uh, well, uh, yeah, it was, I remember seeing it in syndication. And okay. it was um, it was the Glenn Larson block because it, was, it would alternate between Buck Rogers and every day it would air in the afternoon. And alternate between Buck Rogers and uh, Battlestar Galactica. Okay, all right. So you didn't uh, watch it in you didn't watch it in, in its original run because I, again you I would have been. I don't know. I feel like I may have, but it's so like what was it seventy eight seventy nine seventy nine yeah seventy nine seventy nine eight we ran for two years. Yep. So um, I think you know I I must have I did I know I did but I don't remember I don't remember seeing the pilot until um, I saw it broken up over two parts and then I finally saw it. Um, I remember it was on, it was on, uh, VHS. Oh yeah. I mean, when they came to, I was working at the video store when they came to VHS and that was a big deal. We put we put them all on cause it was so fun seeing them again. It was like, Oh, the space vampire and Hawk and all the, you know, it was a fun thing. And I remember seeing this in the theater. I remember my dad taking me and my sister, uh, to see this movie. And you know, I was all in all things outer space, of course. Uh, one, right. of, the, one of the things we have to talk about right up front. What did dad think? Is, what did that I, I don't remember. Well, what's what's made me think of that is the opening credit sequence. What the, oh, the hell is going on with this up. opening credit sequence? I'll tell you what's going on. Some magic. <laughs> well, you got to pad it out for the ninety-minute runtime, right? Well, I don't. Um, I don't so much about the padding, but the idea that like Buck is in, I guess, hypersleep, and so over the over the the actual lettering of the words Buck Rogers, we get all these like hippie space chicks in scanty clothing. I was like, I tr- I'm trying to imagine what my dad must have thought of when the camera like slowly. I can guess. The, well, <laughs> is one of the girls um, Pamela Hemsley? Is that, is that, yes. Because Aaron Gray is one of them, right? We see yeah, it's Aaron I'll, Gray is, is in. Aaron Gray, Pamela Hens- Helmsley, Hensley. Hensley. And you know who else is in there is uh, Leanne Hunley. She was uh, one of the blonde women in there. Um, she has really great hair. That's how she's kind of know. Is she the one um, with the shades? No, the one that looks like Dazzler. Okay, okay. No, no, no. That's somebody else. Uh, Le- Leanne Hunley. If you saw her, you know her. She um she was on Days of Our Lives for a while as okay. Anna Demera, Stefano's uh, daughter, and um she was on Dawson's Creek as the teacher that uh, Pacey has an affair with. Wow. With whom, with yeah, whom Pacey has an that. affair. 
Yeah, um, she was a contract player for Universal at the time. Probably one of the last ones when you know, given the age of still doing that. Yeah. Yeah, and so uh, they just threw her in there for that for that opening spot. But it it it, it it's crazy because I, I guess if you're going to be sleeping for 500 years, what and you know, and you're Gil Gerard, you're that kind of hot-blooded American male of the 80s. What else are you going to be thinking about? I guess I just I do wonder, like when I'm watching the the, the credits go over all these girls in their spacesuits, I'm just like, what? I mean, this movie was rated PG. I mean, there's no nudity here, but it's a pretty penthousey opening. And I, I have again, I have no memory. I mean, I was only I was only eight when I, I wasn't even eight years old when I saw this. So I'm sure this part of it held no interest for me. I was just like, get to the laser guns. Like, what's all this stuff with the girls? Who cares? But I am. I'm just trying to imagine my dad taking me and my sister, who was five years older than me, to this movie. And then, you know, seeing this opening credits, he must have been like, what the right. hell? I mean, I'm sure he, like, saw Buck Rogers when he was a kid and stuff. So he must have been like, I have to, I'll have to ask him, like, you remember that at all? Like, oh, that was a to go time. from to go from William Conrad <laughs> to, yeah, to, really? to that, the voiceover um, of William Conrad. But it's interesting if you think about it as anything. I mean, clearly, it's nothing that has to do with the story, because then that sort of presupposes that Buck is both psychic and maybe one of those girls he's thinking about was somebody that he, the, the girl he, I don't even think they, they, they name her, but at some point in the movie he talks about that there was somebody he left behind. Um, but, uh, so maybe, you know, in my, in, in my head, maybe, maybe uh, Anna Demera or uh, whatever her name was, the one I just named, uh, Hundley, was one of the, uh, was, was one of the, was the one he left behind. Oh, it's all like, uh, it's kind of like how all the Indiana Jones movies are Han Solo's dream and the Carbonite. It's all, you know. He's a I've never heard that, really. You've never heard that theory? Yes. Yeah. All, oh, that's... All... <laughs> I'll have to examine that in another episode. So anyway, everybody, I think, knows the basic plot of this. Buck is uh, an astronaut. Really? Because I can't find it in this book. <laughs> well, okay, the general idea, though, that Buck, Buck is an astronaut and he gets lost, his, his ship veers off course and he ends up going to sleep for 500 years, and when he wakes up, he finds himself in the 25th century in the middle of this intergalactic kind of battle-slash-trade war uh, between uh, the two rival, you have the, the people from Earth, and then you have the, Dra- the Draconians represented by, again, Queen Ardala, Pamela Hensley, and her right-hand man, Killer Kane. Kane. Killer Kane, played by Henry Silva. And Henry Silva, I love, Henry Silva's taking this all very seriously. Like, he's, he's in it, man. He's not joking around. Well, did you notice? I and I think I, 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 we were as we were texting about this movie. I, I feel like not everyone knows they're in the same movie, or yes. they all had it. Or the, the director gave them all very <laughs> sort of contradictory notes, if anything at all. Um, if you want to talk like the director, really, really quickly, um, Daniel Holler. Yeah, are you familiar with? Uh, X, the man with the X-ray eyes. or Right, he did other... a lot of that fun stuff. He did Monster of Terror, which is also known as Die, Monster, Die with Boris Carl. He did the Dunwich Horror, which is a great little movie. And then he mostly just did TV in the 70s. Right, including uh, he did one other episode of Battle, of uh, Buck Rogers and he'd done Battlestar, and, um, the original one. But it, it's, it's so, it moves okay, but I feel like I'm watching somebody's pitch of what mm. <laughs> <laughs> what a movie might be because and i don't i, I don't know how you want to sorry I'm, I'm i'm hijacking i don't know how you had in mind the, how you wanted to talk about the movie well no i no i agree with you that was the my main takeaway from this was that if you watch it knowing 
that it was a pilot, a pilot movie that was rejiggered to be a theatrical movie, you realize this doesn't really work as a movie. Because, I'm not sure it works as a pilot. Well, but I, I think it, no. I think, see, I think it works as a pilot because you know that things are coming. Like Erin Gray as Wilma is really barely in this movie. She's not. She doesn't oh, factor into it. Yeah, I mean, it's mostly this movie is primarily Pamela Hemsley as Queen Ardala trying to get with Buck. That is the main, uh, no pun intended, thrust of this movie. I mean, when she, when, she, <laughs> when she first hears about Buck Rogers, she has not even seen him yet. And she's already telling Kane, get him ready. And she's putting perfume on. Like, she is, that is mostly the movie. I mean, Joseph Wiseman is her dad, and he's the queen of Draco. But he's not, like, all of his scenes were the edited king. out except for one scene. So it's like, that's really the main part of this movie. And so I think if you know that you're going to see these characters next week and the week after, I think it works. But as a movie, as a standalone movie, I think it's kind of a little bewildering. Well, even as a pilot, though, and it... Like the Drake, Queen Amidala makes what I think a total of four appearances in, and only in the first season. <laughs> you just called her Queen Amidala. What's her name? You Ardala. You called her Queen, Queen Amidala. Ardala. Sorry, Queen Ardala. Natalie Portman's never far from my mind. <laughs> Queen, Ar- Queen Ardala is it only makes a couple of appear- like four or five appearances in the whole first season. So the the idea of setting her setting them up as the big bad really doesn't take effect. Mm-hmm. So. Um, and then you know, if you like, did you like Silva as uh, as Killer Kane? Guess what? You never see, you never see right, him he never again. Right, even though he sort of threatens at the end of the movie, where he's like, "I'm right. go, I'm gonna you know well, I'm gonna chase after Buck Rogers." The character comes back, but he's played by Michael Ansara, better right. known as a uh, as a uh, as probably as as Mr. Freeze to right. your to your listening audience, um, or as as better yet as as a I think he's a Commander Kang in in Star Trek and. Actually, he he did several episodes of Star Trek as Kang. Um, yeah, he's in one yes. of my favorite episodes actually of Star Trek: Day of the Dove. He's great in that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but uh, yeah, they're they're not the big bad. Not that really television was set up that way anyway back then. I mean, every episode is supposed to be independent of the other, unless it's a two parter, and right. they did a few two parters on the show. But but back to the directing, I I, I think it's interesting that it yeah so. The the best characters in this movie, the best actors are, um, are 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 Dalla and Kane. They're I feel like they're the one they're the right people, <laughs> for like they really set the right tone for everything. Yes. they're a little arch and um, Ardala, I I never not buy her for a second. You know what I mean? She just she she just fits. She's she's perfect for it. She's perfect. Period. But I mean, she's like perfect for it. Um, everyone else, <laughs> with the exception of maybe Tim O'Connor, and um, I'm blanking on the guy who, who voiced uh, uh, Doctor Hewer. I think is his name. Howard no, Doctor Hewer. Is- Howard Flynn is Doctor Theopolis. Theopolis. Everyone else seems to not be in the right place. I can, yeah, I can see that. I mean, I, I have to wonder uh, whether Ornella Muti saw this movie in preparation for Flash Gordon because it's very similar. <laughs> I mean, of course, it's, it's well, funny. Buck, Buck Rogers and Flash Gordon. The Asian are, trope? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I just mean the yeah. whole, you know, vampy kind of, you know, dragon lady sort of persona. Sure. I mean, it's funny. Everybody seems to... Like, Flash Gordon is at this point way more famous than Buck Rogers, and yet Buck Rogers predates Flash Gordon by six years. probably old, had more viewers, yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, I certainly watched all the movie serials. I mean, I watched the Flash Gordon movie serials and stuff, and I watched the Buck Rogers stuff. But yeah, I mean, they they really do, and I love um, the guy, the, her 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 Darth Vader, Tiger Man. Like he just it's, right. it's it's cheap looking, but it's uh, still a great visual. Yeah, he just kind of looks. I had that action figure. He looks really cool. Um, oh, did you have? The, I had a I had a buck, and his thumbs immediately broke off. Oh. Yeah, no, I had I had a bunch of the, the I had the ships and I had uh, a lot of the figures. They play, played well with the Star Wars figures. Those ships are beautiful, aren't they? They are. The, Star, like, the designs are great. I will say this: the, the production design and the um, and and the, the ship the ships designs are amazing. Even the costuming, except for the royal ball gowns kind of stuff, but but but, but, <laughs> but uh, everything else just feels a little. I don't know. I don't know. I, 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 when you when you pitched this idea of, of watching this to me, I, I was really excited about it because I don't think I'd seen it in thirty years mm-hmm. or twenty years or something, and now I understand why. Yeah, no, <laughs> you were so jazzed when you when when I said it, and then as I'm getting texts from you. You're like, oh yeah, this thing. I'm like, okay, like, okay, sorry, didn't mean to. Yeah, yeah, you didn't know what you I, were agreeing to. Um, I, I feel like cocaine should have been introduced to the set because. <laughs> Nope. Gil Gerard, I, I did anyone tell him they were rolling or that or like it's maybe maybe the director's notes were just less interested, less, <laughs> less interested, because while he's being pithy and snide and he kind of he's carrying that sort of like hawkish. Uh, it, it's it, He's very much of of that sort of times hero, right, where everything's done with a smirk and. He, you know, he, he's a little anti, anti, you know, anti-authority, but at the same time, he is the authority. I, it, it's very Reagan era, right? And or a little, I guess, pre-day. Pre, a little pre, yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, just it's it's very much what you would see in any other movie of that, or any other B movie or any TV show at the time. But he just seems bored. He seems so bored, and he's a better actor than that because he's like he turns in some pretty decent performances as the series goes on. But for this. He just like, do you remember there's a scene where Wilma, where, oh God, it's the worst scene where Wilma's saying, I can be a woman too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> She's like, and, um, and he says, okay. <laughs> well, it, it's also weird that like the first whole chunk of him in the movie is him all addled from the hypersleep. So he's right. all kind of high and you're like, again, this is what makes me think it, it works better as a pilot in, in that if you know, you're going to see him next week. He can be a little more heroic then, but it, it's kind of weird that, like, in the first part of your movie, your hero is just kind of like, "Hey, everybody!" Like it, and it goes on for like way too long. And you oh know, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the sort of. I agree with you about the visuals. I think the visuals are actually pretty good, uh, especially when you think about they had to do it on. I mean, ostensibly a TV budget, a little bit more. Obviously. They had a lot of money though, but it looks nice. I mean, and the you yeah. know some the lighting is nice when he's the scene early on when when Buck is talking to Kane. And Henry Silva is like emoting, and his face is all strange. And like, <laughs> there's like this mist behind him, and they they keyed it up with like a red light, so it looks like like yeah. the you know flames of hell or something behind Kane. Like that looks terrific. That looks really cool, and I think it holds up. This movie is very dark overall. Like all the sets, all the sets are underlit, uh, and that makes me think that they you know they kind of were hiding a little that that they had to oh, patch sure. things together because it's like everybody is in you know they look like it's a TV studio. You know, Do you remember yeah. when they go to the graveyard? That looked like that was done on uh, – that, that that was like a theatrical set from a yeah. kid's elementary play. <laughs> yeah, I mean I, it's interesting to think like when they 
put put all this together, what made them look at this and say, "Oh wow, we can get a theatrical release out of it," and it, and it was successful. It well, they like, did it with BSG, right? So I guess it makes sense. Really? Glenn... They did. Yeah, yeah. You talk. Didn't we talk about this? Did no. you see the the Battlestar Galactica? The first two episodes were released theatrically. I think in Europe for sure as wow. well. I never saw that. That's a, I didn't yeah. know that. Jeez. Okay. I mean, this thing was successful. It made like $25 million. I like think in, in right. 1979 money, that's pretty good. It's not Star Wars, but it's pretty good money, especially when, you know, you were There's making nobody it for television. To, and nobody is known in this thing. I mean, no. Gil Gerard had a few, I guess, a, like a handful of, of, of lead credits, but all television. And he wasn't, he certainly wasn't the main guy no. in anything. So, I mean, he was, he was one of the leads in the soap, but that's a pre-existing property that he walks into. You know what I mean? So he, there's an audience already there. This is, this was not tried and true. Yeah. And this is relying on, yeah. Yeah. These are all unknown people. I mean, the only person that had any credits was Joseph Wiseman, who was Dr. No. Right. And then he's not even in this movie. I mean, you mentioned Tim O'Connor. Thank God. <laughs> uh, I have to mention Tim, o- Tim O'Connor did two episodes of MASH, playing different characters each time. I have to mention that. Uh, he did three in, episodes of Wonder Woman playing two different characters. There you go. He was always that. He did it in 2011. He did a movie called Dreams Awake with co-star Aaron Gray. Yes. So, and he was also, um, I think he was in an episode of Sidekicks, which was a Gil Gerard show. Oh, really? <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> Matt, uh, Pamela Hensley uh, went on to Matt Houston. Matt Houston, that was the thing. That's my the dreams. Last, that's the last thing she's done. I looked at looked her up, and apparently she married like a TV producer and just retired after that. So I guess like he had a lot of money. She wrote she a was book. Like, she was like, a, yeah, right. She wrote like a cookbook or something, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. The thing I remember, she was in um, Doc Savage, the movie Doc yeah. Savage. I was about to say, do you remember Doc Savage? We did on yeah. the show, and um, she was also in. Uh, Cable staple, the nude bomb, the the Get Smart movie. Oh, that's right. She was Agent eighty six or something. Yes, she had yeah, it. yeah, yeah. So I mean, but yeah, none of these people. Were, oh, the other thing I read was that Ardala was originally they were originally talking to Catherine Bach to play that role, which you know that would have been oh. nice. I guess she was busy doing mm. Dukes of Hazard. I'm not sure if she. I don't think anyone else really could have played it as well as as Ms. Hensley. She does very well. She's good. Oh, and Duke Butler. Uh, has only has one credit, and that's Tiger Man, uh, and that's it. Like he never did anything else other than that. And I think there were two Tiger Men in the show. I, I don't think. He, well, right, because in this was... movie he kills the he kills Tiger Man at the right. end of this movie. He straps a bomb to him and he blows him up. And they realize they think he was too good of a villain, so they brought him back. There's a guy named T- Panther Man who they bring in later, and just because <laughs> he's black, he's black. Oh, then he's Panther Man. Yeah, <laughs> but Tim O'Connor, oddly, oddly enough, from Chicago. I just found that out today. Why is, that, a, why is that unusual? His accent is so uh, not Midwestern at all. No, it's, it is not. He was in a movie. A, he was in a TV movie called The Stranger, which was parodied on Mystery Science Theater. It's one of my favorite episodes, and it's about a guy, an astronaut, who lands in the on an alternate Earth. So it's very similar to, to, to Buck, well, Buck Rogers in the future, of course. But it's a very similar. Th- although in there, he's a bad guy. But uh, if you ever have a chance to like find that on. Um, YouTube, look it up because it's a lot of fun. Actually, better watch the MST version because it's very funny. But there's Tim O'Connor. I, he was just like he was one of those jobbing actors. You know, he's got like a thousand credits. Yeah. All right. So David, like the plot, how closely were you able to follow this plot? Because I found it sort of unnecessarily convoluted. Where it's like they think he's a spy, but he's not a spy. But then maybe they think he is a spy, and it just seemed a little like 
did I don't know? Did we need all this for this movie? Was this really the the greatest way to tell this story? It's so. How can I put this? It doesn't hold up in it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um. So the like our dollars plan was to get to earth lull the earth defense force or whatever it was called into thinking that uh they're the good guys right and then use her space pirates <laughs> decimate the earth crew but never let on that they are the ones who have the space pirates and is it to like lower the shield or something i'm trying to remember <laughs> what the what, was that the plan? Basically, that... yeah. From what I can recall, I mean, I, I watched it and I sort of, uh, I sort of zoned out on the plot a little after a while. I was like, okay. okay. And I started just kind of watching it as a bunch of set pieces. You know, that that's kind of where I got like, okay, there's going to be all this stuff with Ardala and there's a lot of stuff with Ardala. And then there's the old, like the old Chicago set piece, which is, I think, probably the best set piece in the movie is, is that whole scene. Because I actually, I mean, we've seen a thousand seventy sci-fi movies uh, featuring... Um, you know, the Earth post-devastation, whether it's the Omega Men, or Omega Men, sorry, Freudian slip, the Omega Man, or um, like a Boy and His Dog, or Logan's Run. And I actually think, like, this actually looks pretty good. Like, the whole scene of them, uh, Buck and Dr. Theopolis and Tweaky wandering out in old Chicago, and like, the, 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 the irradiated people are like banging the drums and stuff, like a, like, a, like a war hawk kind of thing. Like, that I like. I actually thought that was pretty good. Tweaky looks a little it looks a little humiliating to have tweaky carried around by buck like because he just looks like a dummy which you know i wish they had known enough to like cut away from that like like george lucas knew you can't show r2d2 trying to pivot himself down a flight of stairs because he looks ridiculous so he right. he knew enough to pan away from that but here you no know, it doesn't work in doctor who you're not going to try it on, right yeah. exactly yeah. But, but here you see tweaky getting carried around like an american girl doll and it just it, it undercuts the drama a little bit <laughs> um yeah, Tweaky. Did you have the Tweaky haircut, by the way? The page boy that was all the rage at, at that that point in time. I did not. I never. My hair was never Dorothy long Hamill. enough. Yeah, my I never had long enough hair to, to to be able to do that. I had very standard boy blonde hair. So no, I never had oh. any of that kind of thing. You had the uh, the part in the middle with the, the Richie Rich do. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> yes, yes, I did. Yeah, I I, I kind of liked what was happening in that scene, but it felt so cheap. You know what I mean? It was just like a, a, a leash the smog or the, or the fog machines because right. we need to create some level of atmosphere. And um, the fact that the city really hadn't changed much in 400 years, so Buck <laughs> can navigate his way around. Right, he still knew where he was going, yeah. And immediately find grave markers for people that he shouldn't know are dead, right? Yet. Well, what do you mean? He knows they're dead, but he wouldn't know where they're located. Well, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, obviously they're going to be dead, but yeah, how would he know where to find their graves exactly? Unless there's like a Rogers family plot. Although that's, that scene does get grim where you have Tweaky talking about eventually dates stop mattering and we just started burying people in like mass graves. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> this is like pretty grim stuff. I'll tell you the most disturbing thing from that is while you, I, I think it's in that scene that you learn that the humans have no control over anything. Like they, they built the Dr. Um, Dr. Hewer. Dr. Hewer. Dr. Hewer. And then that whole like robot council that oversees humanity. Mm -hmm. They built Skynet. Right. Right. But, <laughs> and, and, 
And everyone's like, I guess that's fine. You know, we let a bunch of robots that may or may not have some sort of, of, um, of, 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 uh, I don't know, humanity within them to dictate the course of the civilization. And as we learn, these robots are none too bright because Theopolis gets confused about whether Buck is a spy. There's one point where he's literally like, wait, hold on, I'm confused, Twiggy. And then we find out, of course, one of the other robots is a spy. So, yeah, you're right. It was not a great idea giving these, <laughs> giving these robots, giving these flying disks, not flying, giving these little disks ultimate power because they're not even all that bright. Even as computers go, they're they're a little wonky. Yeah, I don't, I, and uh, yeah, I have so many problems with <laughs> Not problems, but... It just some of it just doesn't hold up under scrutiny. Speak Although the, uh, sorry, I was going to say when you're saying things that don't hold up under scrutiny, we have to get to space disco because that. Well, oh, yes, but I will say that graveyard scene was worth it for for uh, Wilma's entrance. Well, let, that, all right, that, let's get to the thing you want to talk it, about, which is Aaron Gray. Get, go on and tell me about Aaron Gray. Go on. Oh, okay, so back to the opening sequence. You know the dream sequence. Mm -hmm. No more fetching a woman than Aaron Gray letting her hair flow. <laughs> like a Pantene commercial in those uh, those brief two seconds. Um, I think it's hard to tell that if if Aaron Gray is a good actress or not in this one because it's it's a bad role a lot of times. I mean, you could and it's I and I know sometimes you and I have this problem of of looking at something as an artifact of its time as opposed to kind of through more modern eyes, mm -hmm. right? But like, it's great that she's a captain. But she's a terrible captain. You know what I mean? Right, <laughs> like, right. She, she can't shoot anything. Right. Um, and she falls under Bulk's sway so easily. It's not even... Um, they're not... They, they, I like the relationship at the beginning where she completely distrusts them and she starts off... They're kind of, they're kind of rivals. But um, she's so one-note bitchy. Yeah, she's very stiff. She's very that stiff. It's hard to really like her. And you don't necessarily have to, but you have to want to tolerate her at least, right? And there's nothing outside of just being Aaron Gray. There's nothing that's really that interesting about Wilma. Right. And she's the other half of this show, right? I mean, she, she and and um, and Doctor Theopolis are they yeah they're they're like the stiff old people to Buck's young hip dude, mm -hmm. and it 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 doesn't. I don't know how it just doesn't sell. It doesn't sell her very well. I think. It doesn't. It doesn't make her that compelling a, a character. And then, is she supposed to? If she's supposed to be the rival for Buck's emotions versus um, Ardala, yeah. Ardala, it's like it, it's it's not even a Kobayashi Maru. You know what I mean? It, right, it, it's, yeah. uh, it's like, well, I can get with the lady who's really into me and who's stunning, or I can get the, with, or I can get with the lady who seems really confused and dumb, and uh, <laughs> and has a really bad stunning. helmet. Yeah. Yeah, who's stunning. But for a great head of hair, she has. And and uh, and um, but then you know what that that line we talked about earlier, like I can be a woman or something like that. Oh, at the end of the movie where she's like, "I promise you, Buck, I will show you that I can be a woman." I'm like, "Oh Lord, that." Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Yeah, I I agree. I mean, yeah, compared to uh, compared to uh, Princess Ardala, who gets all sorts of great costumes. And they're all they're all very sexy. I mean, again, the space disco scene. I mean, it's utterly ridiculous. 
But I mean, at least uh, Pamela Hemsley gets to be in like this little bikini top and she's got the big uh, devil horns thing wearing and she gets to be all sultry. Meanwhile, poor Erin Gray is dressed like she's from Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band, you know, and she's standing off to the side. I think those dress uniforms are cool. Although I do think it's odd that she doesn't have the Falcon emblem that Buck did. Hmm. I didn't even notice that. And um, anyway, but uh she yeah i don't know why but i always liked her but it was it was that space vampire episode that really woke me up for her hey you know we watched six pack and we believe that she did not want to vomit having to make out with kenny <laughs> all the time so i think she's probably a pretty good actress i don't know you know it's oh she it's, is she's great in, in com i mean she was she was very good in silver spoons i don't know if you ever saw that i did i um, used to watch that show it was, it was like my oh, life story about a young rich kid you remember say, did you yeah. did, you wanted to see how the, the poorer half lived, right? The, <laughs> it's like that kid's, reach. that kid's train only goes inside the house? Wow. All right. I guess that's how some people live. I don't know. He only uh, has one train. Yeah. He only has the one train. Yeah. I, I got to talk about the space disco scene. Because oh, that funny. is just – talk about things not holding up. I mean, Gil Gerard, I just is it's just embarrassing. It's just really, really bad when he does his little boogie – and he makes like little funny faces, and you're like, "Oh my god!" Like, just that is that is super cringeworthy. What? And then, of course, Henry Silva, who represents all of us, breaks into it and just stops it. You know, he's like, "What is this nonsense? Everybody, stop doing this. Got Take this wrong. seriously." I did. I did hear somebody recently point out that the year Bucks from is 1980. Well, his 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 last year was 1987, right? That he was that he right. was con- conscious, and um. He likes music from 1972, <laughs> essentially. Like, he's not even up to date. <laughs> yeah, he's like, yeah, in 1987, he was like Leisure Suit Larry. Like, he's still yeah, kind of, yeah. like, trying he to get with girls. stuff works. Yeah. Yep. You know, <laughs> I mean, you know, being an astronaut would have just, I mean, that, that would that would have, that would have greased the wheels anyway. You would right? think so, yeah. He's going um, on and on about his shag carpeting. You're like, fuck, yeah. what the hell is well, that? That is, that is an embarrassing scene. I will tell you this, though. It does get worse because there's an episode, um, I think it's actually the first episode that aired afterward with the late, great Jerry Orbach um, where he plays the manager of a music group that is using subliminal that unknown to them, Jerry Orbach is using subliminal messaging or something like that in their music to make slaves of people. Okay. And so there's weird costumes and crappy music. Wow. So that's sticking out for your for your listening audience. I can't picture Jerry Orbach in a science fiction setting. Like he has such a contemporary urban face. I can't imagine him on sci-fi uh, sets like that just doesn't compute <laughs> to me at all well you got you, you know this was before the law and harry mcgraw and law and order you know he was still doing the fantastics he was still a broadway guy so he had to you know you gotta eat <laughs> that's right i guess so but um no it, i'll tell you what was really weird about this scene is is again through contemporary eyes is through how uh buck roofies our dollar yes he does <laughs> he does he he palms the drugs that that he's given to ease his headache and then uh and then when they're back in Ardala's chamber he 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 knocks her out but then do you notice she's nude that's right right because she wakes up and yeah yep 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 yeah she was clothed when he knocked her out (laughs) Uh uh-oh oh man yeah let me ask you though do you like buck rogers the character from this movie no not really he's kind of he's sort of like we talked about earlier i i think he's 
they're trying to sell him as like the cool guy of like a Han Solo, oh, right? but yeah. he doesn't have he just doesn't have the real genuine cool to back that up. I mean, Harrison Ford was so effortlessly cool as Han Solo that when you just sort of bought it, but here it's I don't know. Yeah, I'm just not Gil Gerard just to me is not selling it that he's this cock of the walk kind of guy. And so yeah, I'm not I'm not I'm not a big fan of his, and I don't get why Ardala is so. I mean, I know that you know her character she comes from it all you know they're written her as kind of like a dragon lady which is from the sort of the the origins of the show of the uh the, the newspaper strip and whatnot but like i don't get why princess ardala is so devoted to betting him down i mean maybe she's just because he's new but it just yeah. I don't know, i'm just not buying that she's just like oh my god i'm willing to risk everything even the wrath of kang uh to uh kane kane the wrath of kane just to get with this guy he doesn't seem that appealing to me I just yeah I don't um I don't I don't I don't get it and the uh, and then it, like some of his lines are kind of like the, his line readings we talked about that but there was this one where um he was told to go easy on re-entry and oh, I thought yeah. is this Moonraker is this Moonraker <laughs> is this what we're listening to we're watching and then and then he says um your father's seat is the farthest thing from my mind and I feel like. The stress was supposed to be on fathers, like that's supposed to be a double entendre about <laughs> about the princesses behind. But he says, "Your father's seat." It's like, <laughs> he just, it, I mean, he's literally sleepwalking. <laughs> maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe the director should have been like, "Wait, cut, 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 hold on, uh, yeah, kill. You know, you're supposed to say, I don't want to give you a line reading. I know they say that's bad. Yeah. You're supposed to give actors line readings, but." Yeah, you're not. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and he's good in other episodes, like mm -hmm. by season two when he's um, there's that one where he becomes like the satyr or something. That was that was he was pretty good, and he's more swashbuckling right. as he goes as he goes along. Um, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, just as a pilot and as a movie, he like like we said earlier, nobody is in the same film. Right. Nobody's doing the same thing. Uh, Wilma's too wooden. Uh, Doctor Doctor Hewer is good. Theopolis is good, but they're clearly in a different sci-fi movie than Kane and Amidala. In like a, they're like in an Indiana Jonesy type. Like they're they're like they're very much the Buck Rogers serial. Yeah. And then the Theopolis and uh, and and Hewer are like straight sci-fi. Wilma is a bad idea of like a like a bad version of what is like a capable woman of the eighties or mm -hmm. late seventies. And and then Gerard just like he's good, but I don't know what's going on for him in, in this thing. And it and and then I wondered he nailed this audition, right? So what? Like who were the other guys? <laughs> <laughs> but I think we could probably guess who was in on that. Like Perry King, probably Mary Har oh, yeah. Harry Hamlin. Wait, you know the, all those guys. You know he's the there were two guys in Riptide, and I I never know which ones. Joe Perry. Joe, Joe Penny. Joe Penny. Joe, Joe, Joe Penny from Aerosmith. <laughs> Joe Perry from Aerosmith. That's right. That would have been a great show. <laughs> if it yeah. ripped rip time with Joe Perry as a detective who lives on a boat and has a robot. That would have been great. It would have been, act there would have been more cocaine on the set. <laughs> um, but uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. It was I mean, so, I don't. I, I don't. I feel like I should apologize for. No, this. I mean we have, we have, we, do, we do have to be fair a little in that you know when they made this when Gil Gerard was in it and they were all doing their they thought they were making a TV show not a not a movie you know it's not their fault that the producers decided hey maybe we can make a couple of bucks out of this and put it 
put it on a put it on movie screens. I mean, I maybe you know maybe Gil Gerard or Aaron Gray would not have changed their performances at all if they if they had known anyway. But maybe they would have, you know. And, and so it's not their fault that I'm sure when they shot it, it was like, well, this was this is going to be the TV pile. And they're like, oh no no, we're going to blow this up to 70 millimeter and make people pay for it. And you're like, wait, what? You know? I mean, it, it's I, it, I. Well, you know, I mean, it's been pretty recent that. TV has been treated like a movie when it's being shot. Like Smallville was one of the best examples of, of, of somebody who was using what they foresaw technology turning into for, for big screens and shooting that way. So you had a far more atmospheric pilot where um, – and, and you had these great close-ups of the characters that work in movies. They're a little more subtle facially because they know because David Nutter knew that this thing's going to be blown up. This thing's going to hmm. this this is going to look great on HD kind of a thing. Predate, right. you know, presupposing this. And then uh but then yeah, you watch you watch this movie. In fact, there's a great example of this. Did you ever see when uh, Next Generation was running um when they when they were doing the same thing for Next Gen for the for the Blu-ray editions, they they would screen two episodes theatrically. I never went to them, but I remember when they were doing them. Yeah, it is the most awkward thing because everything's too big. Okay, you know, what I mean? like everything, like you're surrounded by giants. It's it, it it and nothing's subtle. Everything's everything is is played for TV, and okay. there's a difference, right? Like you know, there's a difference in performances, and uh, it it it's so incongruous. It it just doesn't fit, and it it feels like you're watching somebody's whole movie sometimes instead of instead of a proper episode is something it's just not done with the right with the same intent right or even say you know and this and the luxury of time isn't there like it is for a film speaking of uh too big we have to mention the one scene joseph weisman has oh, as, god. oh my god is he swinging <laughs> for the fence he is not i don't even i don't even think swinging for the fences is not even the right term i don't even know that he was miked you know or he knew that he was mike because he's just screaming his lines at the top of his lungs and he's like he comes in he beams in he yells at Kang, at Kang, and then he disappears. Or Kane, I keep saying, I keep doing that. Uh, and they just, I'm like, what the? I, I know that, like, they cut most of his scenes out, so maybe he was more subtle in some other scenes. But man, that one moment, I'm like, what movie is he? Like, talk about. I don't even know if he's in the same medium. You know, I think he's in a play or something. <laughs> like, he's like, hey, these guys paid eighty dollars a ticket for the back row, so I got to project. They're like. Joseph, what are you what are you doing? My He's guess like, is, is he was like, I used to watch this when I was a kid. Yeah, I'll do it. Yeah, <laughs> and, then, and then yeah, he 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 did the uh, the Ming the Merciless from the from the Buster Crab yeah. series. Ooh. Oh man, jeez, it's it is not time has not been kind to that performance. No, no, but uh, yeah, all right, yeah. I mean, this I I don't know. I enjoyed watching this again, but yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't hold up <laughs> terribly well. But it, again, it's meant to be. It was meant to be a TV show. So you have to look at it from, from that point of view. As a pilot, I think it's pretty good. I think the effects are overall pretty good. Some of the sets are a little on the chintzy side. But for 1979 television, I think it looks pretty good. Uh, the ships look good. I had some of the toys, and I had a lot Hell of fun yeah. playing with those. And a lot of the matte effect, the, the matte paintings are, are all uniformly pretty solid. I like to talk about those. I like the shots of the ships coming out of, like, the little... When they when they fly out of like the deck and you see all the like the hardware shooting by them like that's nice that's well done so I mean you know it looks pretty good I get I remember being I don't know like eight years old when my dad took me to this and enjoying it I still kind of remember seeing it so you know what the hell it's Buck Rogers I liked it then and I guess I kind of like it now but I I see. You know, you see all the imperfections when you get older. Yeah, well, that's, that's unfortunate. Um, um, 
Yes. The biggest. The, 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 oh, I got the sh- I got the, the Shag Matthews. Yes. The, um, the, 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 big, the, the the biggest. I think the biggest crime is this is the, this is one of only two times that you will hear what is a great theme song with the lyrics. That's right. Yeah. Sang it. Only did it for the pilot episode. I mean, it's only played for the pilot episodes. And then in a in I think maybe even the the season finale of of, of the first season. But you never hear it again. Kip Lennon, super interesting though, was the was the singing voice of Michael Jackson in the um, in the Simpsons episode. Oh, that's Michael Jackson. Right. I'm starting thinking, where did I know that name? Yeah, but then didn't um, didn't actually sing it. But yeah, he um, and he still performs. Like he, you know, he, he he's a he's a traveling musician. Interesting. But uh, yeah, yeah. It's, if you if you if you like. If, if if you like the the lyrics, this is this is one of the only two times you can hear it. Are the Buck Rogers lyrics worse or better than Gene Roddenberry's lyrics for the Star Trek theme? Well, they're they're better. <laughs> I mean, I don't. Glenn Larson is, I think, credited with writing them, and maybe he took a book out of what I hear is is Roddenberry's yeah. uh, playbook, um, adding the lyrics so he would get half the royalties right. to his song. <laughs> but he, very nice. He, he, he doesn't force the word Buck Rogers into the lyrics. <laughs> like, uh, Starlight, Starbright, right. My Romance. <laughs> Those, if you've never, if you know, none of you know what we're talking about. Gene Roddenberry jammed lyrics onto the Star Trek theme so he could Jerry rig his way into the song publishing. And so every time that, that, uh, every time that theme earned a royalty, he would get 50%, even though the lyrics would never be used. So go to Google, you know, Google Star Trek. Uh, original theme lyrics, and you will your mind will be blown that he actually thought this would pass muster. Like he thought anybody he who tries to be a musician will like kill themselves. Oh my god! Just, just <laughs> like this guy's made money hand over fist on that song. Absolutely. And 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 just you know farted something out on a post-it note, it's, and then it's just unbelievable. So, Mike, um, the one the last thing I wanted to mention before we we sign off is that I love uh, Kane's final line where he says, "We will." Sp- uh, we, uh, where where Ardalas talks about you know what we're going to do with Buck and he's still out there and he says we'll see when we meet Mister Rogers again, which at this time slot each I, and every week. I think maybe they should have changed <laughs> the, the Mister Rogers part. You know, it's like I'm picture, picturing Buck putting on a sweater and he's got King Friday with him or whatever. So they maybe didn't like they could have, but probably should have like ADR that or something. But you know, Henry Silva was probably already in Italy shooting six movies by that point. So yeah, like, he was being dubbed over. He was too yeah, busy. He was exactly. he was too busy doing um, some yeah spaghetti stuff. So, uh, but uh, oh, but I wrap it up here. Say, um. Yeah. So the only difference between this and if you saw it on television is he says shit, and oh, that's right. right. And he gets he says something about balls. I that's think. right. There's a couple some saucy language a little bit. I guess right. probably to earn the PG but rating. But I, I did want to ask you: Were you familiar at all with who Buck Rogers was before you saw this, or did did you continue seeking any of it out? I watched the show, um, but yeah. I was only va- I no, I don't think I was because I I remembered the Flash Gordon. Movie serials, I watched them as a kid on, on UHF or whatever, but Buck Rogers I didn't have a lot of memory of. So my introduction – I may have been familiar with, like, the comic book. There was – I think there was, like, Dell, the Gold Key comic maybe before this. I, I can't remember. This might have been my first introduction to Buck Rogers. I don't – I'm not exactly sure. So oh. – um, but Flash Gordon that, was the thing I was more familiar with. I had the treasury of this, Rob. Well, that's funny that you mentioned that because we are going to be doing a tie-in episode of Treasury Cast. 
I know. Thank you for the segue, uh, which is going to be airing this Saturday. If you're listening to this on the day this drops, which is Sunday, which is Wednesday, May 9th, we are going to be doing an episode of Treasury Cast. Me and Greg Arujo, we're going to be talking about the Treasury Edition, which is a, a comic book adaptation of the movie. So before we sign off, I need to ask you, like, what did you, you said you had the Treasury? Do you remember liking it? Do you remember enjoying it? Um, I, I remember it just. The, the, you know, there's no likenesses, right? Nobody looks like they're supposed right. to. Right, yeah, I, I guess they didn't have likeness rights or whatever. So, so yeah, the, everybody's so kind of generic. Strange. It, yeah. it was a different looking um, Wilma. Um, but I will say this about, about the Treasury Edition. That taught me how to spell the word colonel. Because... Ah, right. The, 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 the military spelling, anyway. Because uh, I remember saying colonel. Colonel, right. Colonel. Yep, yep, yep. Colonel. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that was... Um, that was that's all I was it Dan Spiegel? No, no. it's not Dan Spiegel. It's uh, there's Jose Delbo. Uh, Del- Al- oh, you're your hero. In my hero, uh, former instructor Al McWilliams, and I'm forgetting the other the uh, Frank Bull. I think is the are, are the artists on. I'll we'll have to go. I'll have to go okay. back and uh, look at it. But uh, yeah, yeah, I think those are the artists. So. It would have been great if it was Dan Spiegel. It would have been killer. So, uh, so yeah, that's going to do it for, for Buck Rogers. Now, there's one last thing we need to mention before we sign off is that to, to peel back the curtain a little bit, uh, David and I had to record this episode in two parts due to uh, some... Uh, much, like, much like this pilot. Much like this pilot, uh, or say Avengers Infinity War. We had to shoot this in, in, in two... Ch- we had to shoot this. We had to uh, record this in two chunks. And in the space of when the first part we recorded and the, the second part... Um, Tim O'Connor, who played Dr. Hewer, passed away, which was like an amazing, bizarre, and tragic timing uh, that he passed away in between just the space of these two recordings. But he passed away. He was, uh, I believe, 90 years old. Uh, he had, you know, amazing credits. He did two episodes of MASH, which I will get to over on MASHcast. He was in The Twilight Zone. And I found a, uh, he was in the movie Across 110th Street, which is a, a classic. And I oh, found – I, 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 Yeah, that's a great song. I found a, a little piece of trivia which I never knew about. He appeared on an episode of Three Two One Contact, which was you know yes. that, that kid show playing Doctor Hewer, and with Mel Blank as Tweaky. I had no idea that was. I I couldn't find it on YouTube, but I'd never heard of that. So he actually like played this character in another TV show. I thought that was so cool. Do you remember that show? Yeah, I remember Three Two One Contact. Sure, I watched that show. I want that. They made me want to join the Bloodhound Gang. <laughs> Three, two, one, contact. Yeah, I, I remember. Yeah. I mean, I must have seen that episode because I watch it all the time. I just have no memory of it. But man, I'd love to find that on YouTube or something. That's, I, I think that's really that's really cool. I love that little piece of trivia that he played the character on another show. Like they even allowed that to Glenn Larson, like allowed that to happen. That's really cool. So anyway, that's it. I, wasn't just about maybe it was a behind the scenes thing. Oh, was, well, but they said he played the character. It wasn't apropos like he, of this. Did you ever see Now This broke my heart. Did you ever see the, uh, uh, Mr. Rogers, incredible Hulk episodes? No. Oh, you never have. What are the Mr. Rogers, incredible Hulk episodes? Yeah. He went behind, he went, I guess it was, I think, I'm assuming they shot at Universal. And uh, he interviewed Lou Ferrigno, and he talked about Lou Ferrigno and his makeup and how it's not scary, but sometimes it shouldn't be scary, but sometimes it's scary to kids. And uh, he interviewed Bill Bixby, and uh, he was talking about, he he took everyone behind the scenes of The Incredible Hulk. Now, as a kid, this wrecked me, because all the magic was taken out. Right, right, right. And I remember there, and I remember the Hulk is on top of, an airplane wing or something 
and it looks cool until when you see it, when you see the finished product. But then he, you know, it's behind the scenes, so it's just like four teamsters lazily <laughs> trying to try <laughs> on that have like uh that have the fake wing on a pivot, and they try to hoist um, Lou Ferrigno into the air. It was uh, wow, you you gotta look at that. I mean, it, where are you? I know we're going over. Are you a fan of the Hulk guy at all? Yeah. Oh, I love that show. You can I watched every episode of that show. It was great. Watched the TV okay. movies, the whole bit. Yeah. Then I, you should you should seek it out. It's um. Yeah, you should you should see it. I will I will do my best to try and find it too. But thank you so much for interrupting my tribute to Tim O'Connor to talk about the Incredible Hulk. So that's really <laughs> appropriate. So I just don't want you to kill another celebrity. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. So anyway, that that's very sad. We're sorry to hear that. He, Tim O'Connor, of course, one of these guys that had has a connection to some of the greatest TV series of all time, back going all the way back to the Twilight Zone and all those great things. So um, that's a real shame. Dr. Hewer, that uh, that he passed away, but he's 90 years old, certainly an amazing life and an amazing career. And uh, like I said, I look forward to talking about him on the two mashes he did because he was great on both of those episodes. And we'll get to those uh, on MASHcast eventually. So uh, I guess that is going to do it for Buck Rogers in the 25th century. Again, if you want to hear more, about the comic book, listen to Treasury Cast in a couple of days. And uh, David, thank you once again for coming back on. I always enjoy talking to you, sir. And I, I anytime you want to talk, Pamela Hensley, I'm or Aaron Gray. Well, we said we've so far. I, <laughs> I, I have to say, in the history of film and water, uh, Aaron Gray films two, Catherine Hepburn films zero. So <laughs> you can make of that what you will. <laughs> I know who I well okay she's Hepburn's a great actress so <laughs> oh God, thanks thank goodness you were here to qualify that you like your your shrugging delivery Kate Hepburn great actress you know there's no Aaron Gray certainly so um, well I, I don't know was Aaron Gray in other movies like around this time was she did other stuff in the 80s because you know we can oh, go find them well I do want to link this to Again, pulling back the curtain on Rob's life, he just met the delightful Karen Allen. I did. Uh, I did. 24 hours ago. Um, you didn't tell me what she smells like. I'm going to guess it's a mixture of um, lavender and and just, I don't know, rainbows? Something like that. But I will say at a, at a horror convention, it's kind of hard to make out smells. Yeah. Like her, <laughs> <laughs> as, as I but said on she, Facebook, there was a guy there that was either cosplaying as Quint or he was just filthy. I'm, I'm not sure. <laughs> he is from Jersey. Okay, oh, but um, oh, uh, uh, now, what did, this actually ties in there, great. What did you get signed by uh, Ms. Allen? My Starman Blu-ray. Now, there was a Starman TV show. There was, yes. Robert and Hayes. Aaron Gray played the part that Karen Allen played. She did? I don't remember that at all. It, oh, my goodness. She, He's um, the character C.B. Barnes plays Starman's son or Star Kid or whatever you want to call him. Um, when he goes to meet his find, he finds his mom and she's played by Aaron Gray. And I think it's a two-parter. So I completely forgot that that oh, we're getting off the track. I completely forgot though that okay. that on the Starman show that that's the son. Not I thought that was Starman. I thought like he came back. That was he my memory of that show. Did, but he, he he knocked her up and I guess she, she I, I don't know I I forget what how she ended up not caring for her son or if they had separated or whatever but um she plays karen allen's character right no but i mean on the show is is robert hayes playing jeff bridges part or is he playing yes. jeff bridges son He's playing jeff bridges part oh That's okay the, right this the alien possesses or i think he duplicates um what's the name of that actor robert something what? who are you talking about now um 
in Star in the Starman TV show, the guy, the, the oh, guy Robert Hayes, Star- Robert Hayes from from Hayes. Airplane. Yes, he duplicates Robert Hayes's body. Robert Hayes is an investigative journalist or something, and um, who dies or is I forget if it's a, a duplication or possession, but um, yeah, so he just takes on a different body. Oh, okay. All right. I, and, I saw uh, that show when it aired and I never saw, I've never seen it since. So, okay. Although they don't explain why CB Barnes would look like, would even like have the same sort of rough description <laughs> as, mm. as the guy who's pretending to be his dad, other than it's convenient. You know what I mean? Cause yeah. they're, they're, they're not related at all. Okay. So, well, Aaron Gray, then she kept busy because Buck Rogers ended in what? Like 81, 82 and Starman was 84, I think. So, she kept busy. And, and, uh, uh, the, the, your show, Silver Spoons, ran for like four or six years or something. Yeah, so she, she had a good run. Good for her. Well, like I said, if we can find another movie from around that time that she was in, we will do that. So I can. And before I forget, quick coda. So uh, I, I hear you saying Gerard and, 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 um, and Gray were, on, were in an internet pilot for Buck Rogers. That was, I, I think it was done by the guy who does the Star Trek New Voyages. Oh, God. Could be. Oh really? Um, oh boy! Something like that. They played Buck Rogers' parents. Okay. And yeah, so I just thought I would add that little. Okay. <laughs> okay, you can find that on on YouTube, I guess. Is that where you can find? It's been that? taken down. It's been taken down. Oh wow! Okay. All right. Yeah. Huh. I mean, what, that's it. I wonder what. Like, are they doing anything with Buck Rogers? Like, whoever owns Buck Rogers, are they doing anything with it? Like, I know there was a lot of lawsuits back and forth. Like, and, and even like the comic stuff was weird because there was a Hermes Publishing put out a couple of issues, I think, of a series that Howard Chaikin was doing at Buck Rogers. But then Dynamite was putting out a more recent version. Um, and I forget who who was writing that. But yeah, so I think I, I think there's been a lot of it because it, you know, it was sold to a syndicate. I think it was sold to a syndicate, right? Because it was a guy, I forget the name of the the guy who wrote it, who created it. And then it it, it, be, it was a novella and then it became the comic strip and then the radio serial. So I, I think it's always had kind of a weird rights entanglement. Hmm. But I think the Dill, D-I-L-L-E, Dilly or Dill family owns the rights to it. Hmm. Okay. And there's never really been a successful relaunch. I mean, it did. They, you know, they did role-playing games. TSR did some Buck Rogers role-playing games. I would have no knowledge but of that at all. I know. I don't pretend with your, your RPG. But, uh, uh, but yeah, that, that's it. I don't. I don't think it's ever really been a lucrative franchise. Hmm. Okay. After, after the show, with all the things being rebooted and requeled and stuff, I'm kind of surprised that that, that we haven't heard anything because you usually even every property you're hearing, well, they're working on it. Logan's Run, they're working on it, or Flash Gordon. But Buck Rogers, I haven't heard anything and you know why not i mean he said it's got it's got some brand awareness why not i think so and there was a buck rogers travel i remember that travel company so I'm... Uh, there you go <laughs> so <laughs> all right we're just spinning our wheels here now so as i said it's buck rogers in the 25th century uh maybe uh david and i can talk about some episodes of the show sometime space vampire yeah i think you probably have a lot to say about oh. that one. yeah there you go so okay uh thanks everyone for listening david thank you once again always enjoy talking to hey, you hey. Um, back episodes of the show on the network site, fireandwaterpodcast.com, and our Twitter feed is at filmandwaterpod. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and until next week, that's a wrap. Is it forever? Will it all end, Rob? <laughs> the Starfighter and Buck Rogers. Okay, Kane, get ready to fight. Meet Kane and the Draconian Marauder. 
You'll never catch me. Planes need assembly. Each plane and action figure sold separately. There's Twiki. Get the robot. You can pretend he's being chased by Draco, Tiger Man, and the Draconian Guard. Calling Buck Rogers. Help! Buck Rogers, Twiki, Draco, and Tiger Man. Each sold separately by Mego. You'll never be the man Buck Rogers is. We'll see when we meet Mr. Rogers again.